Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello and welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. We're back together again. Reunited and it, and it feels so good. <laughs> you know, I saw a Facebook memory from a while ago where you had that same caption on some time when we were reunited in like 2012, just so long ago. <laughs> we were babies. We were babies. We were babies. Katie cracks me up because she sends me, oh God, these like super cringy Facebook posts that I made over the years. And it pops up on her memory, like a feed <laughs> on Facebook. And it just, a little bit of me dies every time because I'm like, why? <laughs> Why do I think that that was so funny or so cool to say? It's- oh, we were in the same boat. We were these little cringy <laughs> Molly Mormons who would think that we were so scandalous when we would meet <laughs> each other on Facebook and say, I think you're pure sex. Yeah, what does <laughs> that even mean? What is that? I don't know. We were just trying to be funny little, whatever, 22-year-olds. <laughs> I, I like. Don't know. When I think back about that, like saying pure sex, which I said it all the time, and especially to you, and now as someone who's had sex, you know, obviously, (laughs) I'm like, what does that even mean? What do I mean by pure? Well, how is that a compliment that someone is pure sex? What does, tell me what What it means. (laughs) Yeah, what is pure sex? I don't know. I don't know where our little things were going. Maybe we thought it meant sexy because we hadn't had sex, so we weren't sure. I mean, I... Whatever, it's not important. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I dabbled a bit, and I well, I I had a bit of dabbling and a bit of shame associated with having sex. Yeah, that's a topic for another day. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, listeners, I just wanted to take just like a little bit of time and tell you guys because we kind of teased it in a couple episodes ago that I was able to go visit Sarah in person in London. Amazing. We were together and we both had our shoulders showing and I was able to drink some hard cider and gin. I mean, Sarah couldn't obviously right now. No, it was so depressing that part, but. (laughs) But it was so much fun and uh, she and her husband, oh, so delightful. And they got this curry for us that was amazing the mm-hmm. food in London it's so, so good and they have yeah it was just such a beautiful magical night that I never wanted to end um but it was so me nice. either but then you guys had to wake up so you guys I didn't realize that Katie had a I knew you had a flight the next day but in my head it was like in the evening so I was like ah you know we'll like stay up have a late one poor kitty had to wake up at like the butt crack of dawn the next day to catch this <laughs> fight and yeah. you know at like 11 o'clock you're like we really need to go and I love your boyfriend he was just like yeah yeah yeah. let me and then Greg would be like oh do you want to know another beer and Scott would be like yeah okay and Katie's like we have an early fight <laughs> I know, and me just being so neurotic and needing my sleep, and, you know, we we had to get up at, like, 4 or 5 a.m., and my boyfriend and Sarah's husband were bonding and having the time of their lives, and it was, it was so much fun, I I will not lie, but, um, 
Yeah. And I it was. was like one of the hottest days. So you guys to set up the scene, like it was, it's not like, it's honestly not that hot in the UK, like UK summers, not really a thing. Like according to all the Brits I know, but I swear to you, since I've moved here, we've had some really hot days. So I'm like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? It's hot. Must be global warming. It has to be because it's like, <sighs> so that day, Katie came, like, so you were there the whole week, but I had to fly to Stockholm for a work thing. Flew in on that Friday afternoon, was stuck in traffic for two hours, sweating balls, like, so <laughs> hot. And then you were out doing, like, all the touristy things, like, yeah. all, you know, touring London, doing all the things, super hot. You were stuck on a ferry for, like, two hours, if not more. Yeah. Uh-huh. So by the time we met up, it was like we both were just like, <sighs> but as soon as we saw each other, it was like energy revised. Like, oh, it was amazing. It was, it was so great. And <laughs> Sarah, you guys, was so fucking cute. Like <laughs> she, she got up and I was expecting to just go to her house and meet her there because she's pregnant. But no, she got up, got dressed, got all cute and came to meet us at the train station. And I just see her. Just by the way you were walking, I was like, this gal is tired. But she, <laughs> you you pulled through and you came and hung out with us while we were all drinking and uh, such a trooper. It was so much fun. I w- definitely, it was more that I was tired. I wasn't that I was tired, just that my feet were like so swollen from the heat <laughs> from flying. And so I was like, oh God, like I have to go out in public like this is fun. But it was nice. And then we went to a pub, which is actually the place where Greg and I were going to have our wedding celebration, which we eventually will do. But hashtag COVID kind of ruined that. So it was nice to like take you guys there and then come back and have curry, which is like our favorite place. And it's like a tradition in Greg's family. They get it like anytime Greg would come home to visit, that's what we'd have like waiting for us is that curry. So really fun. So delicious. We thought of you guys. You know, it reminded me. Go ahead. We did. We talked about our listeners. Yeah. But, you know, that reminded me eating curry. Sarah, you and I have, like, this history of eating curry together. Because when we first met, when you were going to BYU, our our uh, friend group would always go to the Bombay, Bombay. house. Yeah. yeah. I was so, telling Greg that because, I'm <clears throat> sorry, we didn't have, like, in Georgia, I mean, I'm sure there were Indian restaurants, but I had never seen one or noticed one. I should say that's more appropriate. I'd never noticed one. Never had Indian food in my life. When I moved to Utah, I remember our friend group was, like, obsessed with this place. Like, we always went to Bombay House. And I remember eating it being like, it's okay. And I kind of judged all of my Indian cuisine palette or whatever on this place until I moved to Berlin and then I had like legit Indian and then I came to London I was like oh, okay okay like, yeah that I think curry. if you if you live in Utah Bombay House is good for um Utah or American Indian yeah. food but it's it's different in London definitely different um but we do have that history of uh but also when would go to the Bombay house we weren't drinking I wasn't drinking gin and tonics because hashtag Mormon <laughs> oh hashtag Mormon that's right I think I got like some type of rose 
milkshake or rose smoothie, what rose water or something. And I remember being like, I do not like this, but everyone was like <laughs> so good. So I felt embarrassed to be like, Oh yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> yeah. We just have to fit in and conform. Yeah. Yay, we're all the same. Oh, my dreams are dying. <laughs> but point being, um, really lovely listeners. And we thought of you guys and it was really fun to just chat about the podcast. And we snuck away for a little bit to do, some some fun videos and we've already shared some of those with our patrons but yeah yeah it was so fun yeah and speaking of patrons let's just do a couple <laughs> shout outs <laughs> some shout outs real quick before we jump into the episode don't worry you guys we're not gonna chit chat too long um, <laughs> <laughs> so we have some new patrons uh Aaron hi Aaron welcome to patreon Welcome, welcome, Aaron, to the podcast Patreon Club. That was your special <laughs> song. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, and we also have new patron Maggie. Hello, Maggie. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, Maggie. I promise I'm not going to make the same comment I made for our other Patreon who is named Maggie. So. And we love the name Maggie. We love it. Just disregard my weird comment about my dad almost naming me that, but then saying it sounds like maggots. I'm not going to say it to you, Maggie. <laughs> you said you weren't going to say it, and then you said it. <laughs> and God then I it. said it. I did it. Oh, just, it's just who you are. It's just who you are. It is. I, I, can't, I can't change it. Sorry, guys. Um, and we have a new Outer Darkness. Uh, well, we have a brand new Outer Darkness member, Rusty. We just we just made you your own welcome video that we'll be getting to you shortly. You'll probably have it by the time you hear this. And thank you for joining us in Outer Darkness. The best yes. place to be. Thank you, Rusty. And then just a couple little quick shout outs. A few of our patrons um, upped their pledge. So Anna upped their pledge. Thank you, Anna, so much. Ooh, thanks, Anna. And um, last but not least, Amy, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, she also upped her pledge, which was amazing. Uh, thank you, Amy. Hi, you'll also thank be you. It, yeah. So that is. Yes, you'll be getting a video. Sorry, I totally interrupted Katie, but you will be getting a video as well. Um, but thanks, Amy. We, we just love our patrons. So if you want, uh, go over there. It's patreon.com slash not so Molly Mormon. But without further ado, we can get into the episode. <laughs> so today we're talking about the Netflix docu-series Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey. Man. So spoiler alert, if you haven't watched this, maybe don't listen to this episode. Or maybe listen to us when we say it's very disturbing if you grew up Mormon. Or if you didn't, it's just disturbing all around. So yeah, don't want to watch it. Just listen to the episode and save yourself from four hours of whew, <laughs> yeah, it's, dark shit. It's so heavy. Um, we've covered Warren Jeffs and the FLDS on the podcast before, but that was back in, I think, 2018 or 2019. And so it's probably good we touch on it again. But yeah, it's. It's really well done. It's just heavy. So it, is that what you will? Heavy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's essentially about, if you don't know, Warren Jeffs is the prophet of the fundamentalist 
Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that's what this documentary is covering. They still believe and practice polygamy and a bunch of other things that were what was taught by Joseph Smith. Um, yeah, which I think is a good point that a lot of people have made. Like, you know, Mormons have criticized this documentary and have said, like, oh, my God, like, we definitely are not, like, the same religion. Like, these people are ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. But in all reality, if Joseph Smith was still here today, they would also be following the exact same things. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just because yeah. obviously like the U.S. government threatened the church to stop polygamy or else they would start making them pay. And so they were like, oh, God commanded us to no longer practice polygamy. But like if we were basing it off of Joseph Smith's teachings, which is what FLDS is doing, like which is also, you know, Mormon sector, the original, the OG, they still say that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. They don't say was, is a prophet yeah. of God. They they follow the teachings of Joseph Smith way more accurately than mainstream Mormonism. So mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's the basis of it. So I uh, took some notes. Sarah did as well, and I'm, we're just gonna go through our notes and talk about some certain points and what we thought, and probably a lot of the similarities between the two churches because <laughs> they're essentially the same thing, but Mainstream Mormonism has just got better PR. <laughs> yeah, 100% is what it is. And also, mainstream Mormonism, they still believe, and I want to like reiterate this because I feel like, especially if you're listening and you're on the edge of leaving the Mormon church, and polygamy is a big issue for you. In the Mormon church, they still believe in the doctrine of polygamy. It's just not practiced. Yep physically as they say on earth today but like in the afterlife and in their doctrine polygamy exists that was one of the biggest things for me that I found shocking because they don't explicitly teach that outright but when you go through the temple and you start talking about the different ordinances and covenants that you make and then you actually just look into the doctrine it's all there and people who I talked to were just like, yeah, of course, like, believe me, is what we'll be doing in the afterlife. And I was like, hold up. No. <laughs> like, that is do not that. what I signed up for. Right. Yeah, like Sarah said, if you're on the fence, I, I would read your own scriptures, Doctrine and Covenants, section 132. That's still in the Doctrine and Covenants, with which, according to the Mormon Church, or I'm sorry, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that is a, like, sacred divine revelation, and they have not taken it out. And that is the section about polygamy. And it also leaves it open for the possibility of polygamy returning to Earth whenever a prophet says. Right? So (laughs) there's a lot of that. And then, yeah, of course, it's practiced in the afterlife. So that's a good thing to remember with all of this is that they're really not that different. The Mormon church just no. looks better. So Exactly. <laughs> it, has, it has a lot more money to invest in its PR and marketing to make it look like, you know, they're the innocent, like just really great. Well, remember, yeah. I remember being Mormon and 
and what we were told and what we told others about the FLDS, like, oh, they had yeah. it so wrong. They were led astray. They just, that's not really how it is. But then you leave the church and you're like, wait, no, they're the ones that are actually following what Joseph Smith said. <laughs> uh, exactly. Like, I would always be like, oh, that's not us. Like, we are not them like I insulted that people would think that we were the same but like it really isn't that big of a difference at all oh <laughs> um okay so it opens with a scripture up on the screen that says wives submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the lord that's from the bible mm-hmm. that- that beautiful loving book the bible also hi if you're new here and you're christian i'm sorry if i offend you but that's gonna happen (laughs) yeah sorry all right we get a lot of comments from mormons that are like why do you only bash the mormon church and i'm like you obviously haven't listened (laughs) i'm not a fan of any religion but okay Um, (laughs) and then it has warren jeffs in this uh, opening segment saying if you question me you question god i mean it's so similar to mainstream mormonism prophets you're not supposed to question the prophets they are the mouthpiece of god and that's just what yep. warren Jeffs is doing it's the same thing um one of the members said we believed we were the only true church on the face of the earth again that's what we believed you and uh-huh. <laughs> they also believe in the highest degree of salvation, which is the celestial kingdom. Um, yep. <laughs> Same as Mormonism. Same. They, yep. And they follow Joseph Smith's teaching of plural marriage. And if you have at least three wives, you will go to the celestial kingdom. And he really taught that. That's not made up. That's the nope. Thing. That's the thing. Three and, wives. <laughs> yep. And um, same doctrine as mainstream LDS that after you die, if you've followed all these rules and gone to the temple and paid your money to this church, you will become a god and you'll have your own planet. And women, oh, they become wives to the god. What a blessing. Just to be continually, constantly pregnant with spirit babies how does that sound to you Sarah (laughs) I literally am like about to throw up just thinking about that (laughs) yeah like when you step back and you learn that especially like you said as a Mormon you learn that that that's what they tell you is going to happen to you after you die you're like wait when I was in primary they made it seem like I was gonna find my forever husband and just go to heaven and be with him but in actuality, I have to share my husband in the eternities with many wives. And then I just have to be constantly pregnant to populate his planet. <laughs> it sounds no. so weird to say it out loud. <laughs> it's bonkers. I mean, even before when I thought about like, before I knew that was actually what happened, you know, when you're like, oh, but I give my own planet and I will be you know, uh, uh, like my husband will be a god and I'll be a goddess and blah, blah, blah. It's still batshit crazy. Like, I can't believe I actually was like, that sounds legit and that is enticing. Yes. That's what, that's what indoctrination will do to you. You don't question how batshit it is. You're just like, okay, sure. <laughs> sure thing. 
it's um, like finding out that really you just have to be married to a man who has multiple wives and you're like that sounds like hell to honestly like a definition of self of hell is to be pregnant over and over and over and that's like your only duty i'm not just talking about the physical aspect but the emotional and also like that's just that's a lot that's and it's really fucked up it's like the guy gets to be a god <laughs> you are basically barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen the whole time is well yeah I mean, that's essentially how it is for a lot of Mormons now. The woman is expected to have as many children as possible. It's what they teach anyway, you know? Yeah. So uh, there was a man in this, this first episode, who was a convert to the FLDS church from the LDS church, which I thought was interesting. Oh, yeah. The dad, right? Yeah. And he, he liked it because it adhered to the fundamentals, obviously, of the LDS church. And he, he mentioned they like were interviewing him and he would say how his multiple marriages were good for him, but they were rocky for the women. And I'm over here like, so it's not actually good for you if it's rocky for the women, unless you just don't care and you're just yeah. having more than one wife. Like that's not how that should work. But and especially like when they when they see like when they in this documentary when you see some of the married couples that you know they actually you know truly loved each other, and then to be like oh and you're commanded to now marry someone else like that is heartbreaking for someone who is in a relationship and who signed up for a monogamous one and then they're told, okay, right now you have to be polygamous and you love this man like that. I could, I could not imagine if that was uh, something I was in a situation with, like no, it's different when you go into a relationship with those expectations and that's fine, but you don't, or it's like some of the other stories they had where it was like clear that the women were like happy to have another wife because they didn't love their husband and they didn't want to have to have the attention on them. It was like, yeah, please get another wife. Like I'm happy to share because I don't even love this man. God, which you just want to tell her like that there is such a thing as a divorce, but of course they didn't even know that was an option. No, no. So yeah. Um, they, in this episode, they explain how they lie to evade the law. So they put a fake father's name on birth certificates of the plural wives, uh, which was also really sad. It's like these kids, they have a fake name, uh, father's name on their birth certificate because they don't want to get in trouble with the government. Um, and it shows how daughters can be given to other men, like women and, and uh, girls are objects to be traded. Yep. Yep. They're like traded for... Um, status and and whatever and then the young women it showed this scene where there's all these young women like young girls you know probably around 13 years old and they're in like bridal outfits and it's so scary and there's the phrase I want to turn myself in that a young girl says when she thinks she wants to go become a bride which she doesn't know that yet and the prophet would he would give the young girls a certain handshake if he wanted them as his wife. I was so grossed out, but also the handshake thing, that's also part of Mormonism in the temple. They have special handshakes. 
Yeah, I, I was I watched the first two episodes what? with my in-laws and when that scene came up and with Greg and they were like handshakes and I was like, I legit know these handshakes. Like these are from the temple. I had to do them too. And they were like, What? <laughs> Like, you did these handshakes? So like, yeah, including being dressed in a weird robe and an apron and, like, all the weird shit. That's yeah. what I did. Yeah, and Mormons think it's not a cult. It's like, oh, yeah, the handshakes are just a joke. They're actually real. <laughs> oh, my God. So this 85-year-old man who was the prophet at the time, Rue Longeps, he's 85. Oh. And he gives this handshake to a 19-year-old girl. Um, her name, she's a main, a main uh, character, a main person in this story, Rebecca Wall. She, so I, last year I read her book and I didn't know she was in this documentary, but her book is called The Witness Wore Red, The 19th Wife Who Brought a Polygamist Cult Leaders to Justice. So I oh. would recommend reading this book. It, it's so good. She's such a badass. So I was excited that she was in this. But this is the 19-year-old girl who married an 85-year-old. Oh, uh, I is just... she also the one that um, was talking about like how each night it was like a rotation of who would like tuck in the prophet if they were a wife and like when it was her turn, she would just like massage his feet or his back to try to get him to fall asleep so that he wouldn't like basically have sex with her. Is yes. this the same one? Yeah. And then yes. that story she tells of when he was like, no, it's time or whatever wording he uses. And my first thought was like, how the fuck? This guy was like, had oxygen tubes. Like, yeah. how did he have sex? Like, how? I don't know. I wonder if he had, um, Viagra or something or I don't know or I'm not sure I'm not even gonna think about it <laughs> I mean it's hard not to think about it I was just like how is that physically even possible maybe I'm just very ignorant but like when you guys if you watch this like he looks very frail and sick and literally has oxygen tubes because like he yeah like how how is he having sex I don't get it I I don't, I don't know I don't know but it was, they, yeah, they interviewed a few of his wives and they were, they kept saying how like they were just told the woman's sole purpose is to be obedient and they didn't even know what sex was. Like no. they didn't even understand that even like the insertion of the penis part, they didn't even know like any of it. And I felt so bad for those poor girls. Like that's their first exposure yeah. to sex. It was and then they're told, yeah, and then they're told the, the line that's part of the title keeps sweet no matter what, that the women have to just be, be sweet, be meek, be humble and obedient. And if we're being honest, that's really not far off from mainstream Mormonism. No, um, it's not as ex it's not as extreme, obviously, but it's it's still there in the teachings and in the doctrine that the man is the leader. He's the head of the household and yep. the women need to be, yeah. And be submissive, be sweet. I mean, you're always told not to have a loud voice, loud laughter, just be sweet and submissive and make like that's, and to make sure you do your wifely duties, which yeah. like, yeah, yeah. It, 
And also the fact about sex, yeah, I know that, like, yeah, to be fair, probably the FLDS church is much more extreme and that, like, they obviously don't talk about sex education at all. But, like, it's not that far off from Mormons, especially in Utah. Like, I'm sorry, but, like. It's, it's really not. They don't yeah. know a lot on their wedding moon, like, or honeymoon night. Like, they don't know what actually happens and what involves sex. And that's why a lot of times, like. For women it's who are Mormon, it's not enjoyable for them because also they don't know what to ask for or expect. And the men don't know what to do no, to prepare I, the woman. Like, oh, exactly. They just know what to do that feels good to them. And the, the yep. woman doesn't know. Yeah, that's a great point. It's yep. it's really similar. Um, it, it goes on to explain how Warren, Jeff. So Warren is Rulon's son. So, so at the time, this 85-year-old man, he has a son, Warren. And it's explaining how he's always been a creep, like yep. even like uh, molesting his sisters and <sighs> his his brothers. Some of his brothers reported it to the leaders and to their father, and they were told to drop it and not talk about it again. And this is also something that happens. This happens in a lot of religions. Yeah. Like just sweep it under the rug. We don't want to look bad. Just move along don't say anything about it. We're not going to contact the authorities or help these children. And no. And the, and they even said that like his mother like favored him because he was born prematurely. Right. And so like yes. she like really favored him, which I also thought was interesting and quite shocking that they had one of Warren's brothers on. the. the I know. I thought that was great. He was one who yeah. had, left, had left. That would be really difficult to be in that family and leave. Uh, yeah. Um, so it, it goes on to explain Alta Academy, which is a religious FLDS school. And it kind of reminded me of there's there are LDS schools, private schools, especially in Utah. Sarah and I actually covered one on Patreon a while ago. Do you remember it was called like Liahona Academy? Yes. It's kind of like <laughs> those charter schools, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it, they they keep they, what they they quote keep the world's teachings out and say that the pre- that children need priesthood teachings. So, oh, it's so bad. Yeah, it's so bad. Warren Jeffs was the principal of this school and he literally took any outside influence out. So they would cut sections out of science books and teach at like sexual purity to the girls. I mean, can you even, I, I feel so bad for these children. They're not learning anything like a bunch of them said uh, often in the film films like that they didn't even know who the president of the United States was because they weren't taught anything that was of actual value. (laughs) They were just taught. That's crazy. Like, can you imagine like we think, you know, when we left the Mormon church that we were super naive and like gullible and just didn't know a lot about the world. But imagine us like that compares like nothing like you know what I mean like to what they I know went right. through imagine like right. leaving and being like what there's a president like there's a country you know there's a whole world out there that's outside of Utah like that's crazy yeah it, it's really bizarre for sure um so it, it was describing how there's a lot of preaching about the end of days and how they're at the end of days, which again, very similar to mainstream Mormonism. But 
Warren Jeffs predicted that if the Olympics came to Salt Lake City, it was going to be the end of the world. And so that's when they moved to Short Creek, or as they all say on their very cute Short Creek, the Creek. Yes, that's on my notes. Actually, the first bullet point was Utah accents at its best. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the Creek. It's on the Utah-Arizona border. Um, I've driven by here. It is it is just as bananas as as you would think. But of course, uh, the world did not end when the Olympics came to Salt Lake City. And so, of course, um, Warren justified this by saying it was just a test. Because that's, that's what ah. <laughs> oh, God. But Short Creek is totally and completely controlled by the FLDS, which is essentially Warren Jeffs. Like, they own every home every business i mean you saw on there like even the um chief of police and the mayor they're all flds and they give all their money and their belongings and their property That's wild. to the church like that is scary to me That's so I don't scary. Like it. sorry there's a motorcycle outside yeah. so it's very loud in the back um, sorry guys oh, <laughs> oh you're good <laughs> Um, um, okay. Yeah. I it gets to the part where Rulon Jeffs dies, and at his, the time of his death, he had sixty five wives, and they all wore white, and it was so creepy to see. I was, it was. It, I don't even. I don't it have words. Like, it's just so creepy. Like, there are 65 wives. I don't even have 65 friends besides all of you listening. You're all my friends. But, like, imagine imagine you go somewhere and you see 65 people all in the same white dress. I just can't. And then it showed him in his coffin, and he was wearing the green temple apron. Did you notice that? I saw that. I did notice that. And I was like, okay, Mormon church, is it that far off? No. And apparently, the members were told that well, that uh, Ruan Jeffs like wouldn't die; that he was gonna be resurrected because he was the last prophet in the last days. And that's right. And of course, he's he's not resurrected. He's lying there in the coffin with his green apron on. And so they're just told to put it on the shelf. Like, don't think about it right now. It will be explained later. Which, oh my God, it's like the most Mormon. Thing to say when there's no answer to something they're like well we'll know later in the next life isn't that convenient <laughs> exactly they were like you'll know later but then they also didn't they say that like warren jeffs is just a body and that like actually the his dad was his soul or whatever is in warren jeff's body and that yes. meant is that he literally will live on forever but just physically had to change bodies, yes. basically. Right. He, like, he inserts himself as prophet and takes over. And, like, yeah, like you said, essentially, he just pretends that he's his father. And very, it's just disgusting. He, like, inherits his father's wives, like, their property. <sighs> but also, when you think about it, these were his mother's. And, uh, oh my god, I never made that connection. Ew. Yeah, so these were the women that were raising him. 
65 of them, all different ages, and then he, like, inherits them as his own. A lot of them, anyway. Like, ew! I just... (laughs) But you know, you know that that's what, like, that's what happened when um, Joseph Smith died, J-Dog. Many of his wives were then transferred to Brigham Young as property. Oh, God. So that's, like, that's exactly what they would have done if they were alive right now. Yep. Yeah. So Warren Jeffs, as prophet, he takes away any movies. He doesn't let them put on plays. He basically doesn't let them have any fun. And he enforces extra restrictions on women's clothing. So, oh, and they can't wear the color red, which is part of why in that book of Rebecca's book, she said the witness wore red because when she testified against Warren Jeffs, eventually she wore red on purpose Uh. because she was never allowed to wear it when she was in the FLDS. So, Again, and then also like, they had like the crazy hairstyles. Not that they were crazy, but the fact that they had to like they had that video tutorial on yes, make your hair. Oh. It was so funny to me. <laughs> and they have long underwear, like garments that they have to wear. Oh but, yeah. So this is just like, a, I mean, obviously regular mainstream Mormons are this extreme but they are very controlled in what they wear you know oh yeah definitely and like you you do have the long garments as well that it wasn't so long ago that those were no longer in place like but you know if you talk to like older generations they'll tell you that they had the long garments that they had to wear well yeah and they still have the garments that go to at least almost to your knee depending on how far you hike them up into your crotch but (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) um there was a part where this woman um she was saying like I don't know I don't remember the exact like context of this but she said she I quote I wasn't afraid of death I was afraid of disobeying and to me that was so powerful. It was like, oh, if I die, I'm just going to go to the celestial kingdom. But if I disobey, something really bad will happen to me. Jesus. So depressing. So it continues. Uh, Warren Jeffs is kicking out young boys from the cults, obviously, because he doesn't want competition for the young girls. There's a there's a documentary called Sons of Perdition that's really good about actual young boys who were kicked out by Warren Jeffs and had to just like live on the streets essentially and find their way in the world. Really sad, but yeah. Um, I need to listen to that or watch that. I thought it was a really great point when um, they mentioned how, so the boys that he doesn't kick out, they work as free labor to make the church money or to build things for the church. And obviously the young girls are being given as wives, which all of this is human trafficking. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. So Warren Jeffs would take away and replace wives and children from men that he saw as a threat, which was like when when he they interviewed some of those men that had their whole families taken away, my heart was breaking for them. That was really sad, especially with the guy, the dad who was a convert. Yeah. It was really sad. Yeah. 
And then there's the story of Joe and Ruby. They oh, were the, yeah. the couple that they liked each other, but in the FLDS church, you're not even allowed to look at each other or have crushes on each other because it would cloud the channel, as they said, about who you're supposed to marry. And <laughs> they thought they were sinning just by talking on the phone. By talking on the phone and also, like, passing notes and stuff in church. And, like, he he was staring too much at her, remember? Yeah. And her dad or someone noticed and was like, oh, like, or maybe it was Warren Jess. I don't remember. But someone noticed that he was, like, looking at her too much. Oh, God. Um. So she was 14 and given to her second cousin for marriage. Oh, and she was, like, begging Joe to save her and wanted to run away with him. But um, he couldn't because he said his heart was with the priesthood and he had a fear of not making it to the celestial kingdom. Oh, so sad. Again, very similar to the Mormon church in that that fear of not making it to the celestial kingdom. So you'll do what the leaders say. Yeah, it's like a recipe for disaster and manipulation. I mean, that's like one of the things I put as in my notes is just the amount of incest actually that happens um, because they're like forced to marry their cousins and or like it's just all it's fucked up on all kind of levels. I remember it reminds me of that article. I can't even remember what episode now. I'm gonna blame it on the pregnancy, which we all know is probably not true. But um, where we talked about, like, that research that was done, that there was, like, a medical condition that was happening in this certain part of Utah, and they boiled it down to the fact that it was, like, amongst the polygamists who were just, like, basically incest, like, having a lot of incestuous marriages. And it was, like, a genetic DNA disorder based off of that, which I thought of whenever you're watching this documentary because so many of them were forced to marry their cousins, which yes, is... it's so gross. This another main person in this story, Elisa, I think is how you say her name. Yeah. She, yeah. She also spoke against her marriage. She didn't want to get married to her first cousin that she very much disliked, and he was extremely abusive. She was fourteen, 14. and they they still made them marry their cousins. They got married in a motel room. Yeah. And I- that honeymoon picture and guys just watch it for that there's a honeymoon picture and it's like they're in this cutout like wagon and it says like honeymoon wagon or some shit it makes you want to vomit when you see it it's in her face she's just clearly like so sad and like you see she's just like trapped and miserable and she's a little girl she's 14 yeah um and it's spiritual blackmail too because they both said that they felt that their whole family's salvation was on the line if they didn't go through this and it's similar to like what joseph smith would say to young girls to convince them to marry him like an angel will come and destroy you if you don't marry me as if so then you know it's not really their choice yeah um and then just all this awful these poor young girls of course they they're raped after they're married and they even go to like tell Warren about the abuse, Warren Jeffs, and they were told that they needed to go home and submit because her husband was her pathway to heaven. 
Oh man, that's Ugh. so depressing. And just so it gives you that sense of panic, like watching those, those episodes and you see it, it's just like, you can't help but put yourself in that situation and, and imagine it. And it's like this instant sense of panic and fear and being trapped. And like, you have no way out and just this constant cycle of abuse and not being able to trust any type of male figure around yeah. you is what a lot of the women say is that they had never, tr- they, like once they left the, the cult, they were like, you know, it took them finding someone else that they could trust because they never had that trust before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of these, these women, she had six kids by the time she was 24. Oh, and she even said, none of them were her choice like she said she loves them now and and she you know she's happy that they're in her life but she didn't have the choice to have those children it's like terrifying um so this this is the end nearing the end of the second episode when you're introduced to the reporter named mike with the crazy hair and oh yeah oh he's just so great he says they can dress it up all they want, but it's just men controlling women and their sexuality. And he started documenting the crimes that the authorities wouldn't document. And um, that's the end of the second episode. So, Sarah, did you want to kind of take over on on yeah. your notes for these next two? And I can pop in with thoughts of my, my, own, my own notes, too. Yeah, please do, because mine aren't as, like, detailed of an overview. It's just more of, like, my thoughts as things were happening and I wrote down stuff. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, just kind of off of what that reporter said, that quote. Like, literally, the, the first bullet point I have, starting with, like, the third episode, is, like, Utah accents. But that was because it was throughout the whole thing. But then the second point I have is just, like, my my general thought of the whole documentary was it's all about men who just want to get their dicks wet and have power and control over women. Like, that's all yep. the FLDS churches. Like, the, the men just yep. want to have control and rape women, basically. Especially um, the men that are, that are high up. Because even, like, the men that aren't high up, they don't really... I mean, if they're in good standing and they do what the higher-ups want, then they can keep their wives. But otherwise they're kicked out or their wife get their wives taken from them it's yeah it's horrible and and another thing like so in the the starting with like I think it's like middle of the third episode they you know these two characters that not characters they're women in real life but these two women that we're just talking about her forced to marry their cousins like one Elisa or Alyssa I don't know how you pronounce it she's talking about, you know, her first encounter with the man and it's, it's obviously rape, but she doesn't even know that it's rape because she doesn't know what sex was. Like she didn't know what it meant to have sex and like what it actually counted. So of course, if you don't know what it is, how can you know that it's called rape? Like that, that is by definition rape. So it's just really sad because throughout the whole documentary, it's just like countless number of women who don't they downplay the rape at first because they don't know what sex is they don't know what rape is they don't know any of these things and these grown-ass men definitely know what it is Mm -hmm. and they know what they're doing and they take even more advantage of these women who just don't know that that's not how it should be that that's not normal these women and a lot of times girls that are not old enough to even give consent yeah yeah the girls it's sick um and then this is like the part where 
Jeff Warren's is like, oh, there's Zion, and it's in, I put dot, 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 Texas? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's in El Dorado, Texas. I mean, he's a little bit... He's a little off because we all know it's in Independence, Missouri, but oh, Jackson County, right? (laughs) Exactly. I was like, come on, Warren. We all know it's in Independence, Missouri. It's not in Texas. But it's even more like it's just just like they're just picking places to run off to to try to hide from their, their crimes, right? Exactly. That's all it is. It's literally like, where can they go to purchase a ranch, which would do their labor and hard work so they can make money from this quote unquote church, like, which is also the part which I found so heartbreaking because they were, you know, Warren Jeffs was like taking children from people's homes and shipping them off to Texas to do this manual labor or whatever. And also it was like his way of, you know, starting them early to brainwash them. So if you get the children youngest, youngest as possible, then, you know, they're definitely not going to question. They're not going to disobey. Like, so imagine like as a mother or father having your child at three, four, five, six, seven, younger than that, sometimes older than that being taken away from you. And you're just supposed to comply because you have to follow the prophet. And then you think about the children, like, especially the really young ones who everything they know is being completely uprooted and they're being taken away from their parents to go work on a fucking ranch in Texas. Like, what? And they think the damage that would do to you mentally and emotionally. Like, I can't even imagine. And then also, yeah, for the, the young boys and the young girls, yeah, they would do manual labor. And then, you know that the young girls are getting sexually abused as well. So, uh, okay. So I think the next thing I had is like, also this, this new rule that I just, it's so ridiculous, but also we believed in crazier shit than this is where they had to wear pastel colors uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> in Zion. Like they can't wear anything other than pastel, like the women did. And then they had these videos, which, Oh my God, these videos were just so creepy because it's like the women singing and doing these little dances. Yeah. And it's just like ultimate cult and just so creepy. Like it really, like I had to skip over it because it really gave me, like it gave me like the shivers. I was like, I can't, I can't listen to this anymore, especially when it's like little kids doing it as well. It was, it was like, very singing. creepy. Like the songs and all of that was, it was. Mm, it was very triggering and creepy and there was a part where it was like around this time in the episode where it was interviewing some of the local people around there asking them what they thought about the FLDS and I remember one of them was like well I'll just let them live how they want leave them alone and I feel like that's the sentiment of a lot of people but to me it's like no these they they think this Maybe they think this is what they want, but these children and these women are being coerced into this shit. That's why mm-hmm. the polygamy argument where people are like, oh, just let them do it if they want. Sure, I'm all about that if that's what they really want. But when you're told you're going to go to hell if you don't do it, that's not what you really want. No, and and that's literally like a bullet point. My next one is that people in El Dorado, so people who weren't in the cult or in FLDS, there's this one woman who was speaking and interviewed and she says, quote, it's not my business, so I stay out of it. 
Yeah. And uh-huh. I just wrote, like, I guarantee those people are Christians, but yet conservative Christians, and they fucking never stay out of anything. And they aren't, uh-huh. like, if, if something doesn't allow, like, align with their morals and beliefs, then they're not going to stay out of it. So when she said that, I was like, fuck right off. If that was a community for, you know, gay men, then you'd be like, oh, they need to get out of the city right right now, get out of our town. But because 100%. it was like, oh, they're Christian, so I'm going to just, you know, they're good people. I'm just going to look the other way and stay out of their business. Like, fuck oh. off. That is such a good point. Yeah. Christians will not, not ever mind their own business. It seems no. like, but then they look the other way when it comes to abuse of children. So cool. Yep. Um, and so then it goes from that where basically Elisa, Alyssa, whatever, like a lot of people start coming forward to say like, right, you know, Jeff, like Warren Jeffs, like helped or was, um, what did, what did they say? Like a participant? No. Um, yeah, he was an accomplice. Accomplice, yeah, into, with rape, a facilitator who for rape. And so they come forward and they start building a case against him. And he suddenly starts like disappearing from the ranch. They're like tracking him to see where he goes. And this part was like mind blowing to me. Like he, so Warren Jeffs and his wives, like his wives. So he takes his wife. Like they they say that he went to like Mardi Gras, like Disneyland. He was watching porn in hotels with his wives. He was wearing quote unquote Gentile clothes and living a Gentile life while all of this is going on. Like these investigations and people looking into the fact that like he facilitated all of these underage marriages and rapes and stuff like that. And he's just off like living it up and continuously raping obviously these other women who were his wives and forcing them to do things I'm sure they did not want to do um and I that was the point that I never realized that this happened I didn't know this part of the the Warren Jeffs trial like I didn't know any of this was happening and this is why it's even harder for me to understand how he still has a following like how can you if you think that this man is like the prophet of God and he find out that he's like, you know, watching porn in hotel rooms with his wives after saying that like sex is the biggest sin or like blah, blah, blah. How can you still follow him? Like you must surely think like, right. Okay. So it's all a lie. But then on the other side, we believed in the stuff and I'm sure if you had found (laughs) out like, you know, that Thomas S. Monson was, you know, getting beads at Mardi Gras, I would be like, (laughs) all right. Well, I'm sure he has a good reason for it. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it, is that is that his followers thought he was being persecuted, first of all. Like, they thought that all of this was not real, and he, you know, all of these accusations weren't, weren't real. And then I'm sure they thought, first of all, that a lot of this was just rumor, and they're not going to believe it. Or, like you said, oh, maybe he... Uh, he had a good reason and it's taken out of context. It's the same thing as like what Joseph Smith was doing and he got caught having sex with Fanny in the Mm -hmm. barn. Right. And then that people just deny it or they get excommunicated if they bring it up. Like it's, it's wild, but, and that's how like a cult works. They just somehow bend their brain to still follow the guy. And you're like, but why? And he was, he was using their money to do it. They were giving all their money to him. 
that was the other thing I'm glad you brought up because I completely forgot about that is that like they were still required to give tithing, but also wasn't there one person in there that was saying it was a certain amount of money per week that he like bumped it up to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it he's was like, like everything that they had. Yeah. Everything that they had. And he was also making money off this ranch, like building all the, like, you know, manual labor, child labor, like sex trafficking, like all the things he was doing and then they also have to give all their money to him. And he was out, you know, having a good old time at Disneyland and traveling and spending all the money. And just like it's it's maddening to me. Um, yeah. And he was on the FBI 10 most wanted list. Yes. So fascinating, too. And when you relate it back to like Joseph Smith, how he was a known criminal and a wanted criminal fugitive. Yet yep. his, his followers were like, oh, no, he's just being persecuted. Like, yep. It's, uh-huh. it's so terrifying. And then so so basically, like Jeff's is arrested. Right. So they have enough evidence. They and it's based off of Elisa's like testimony, basically, yeah. that they're able and there's like pictures and stuff like that. So they're able to arrest him. And then during I can't remember if it was during the trial or after he's already been committed. So basically in Utah, he would have only gotten 10 years. Yes. For this it was time. just for the accomplice. Of yeah. Rape. They didn't have proof that he had actually raped anyone. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas they were like, hold up in Texas, which usually I'm like, Texas, like, come on, you're so ridiculous. And I hate everything about Texas. But in this case, I was like, fuck yeah, Texas. Like, cause they have a lot stricter, uh, or like long, p- more punishable. Um, what is the word I'm trying to say? Uh, um, like sentences. And- sentencing. Yeah. Right. So he got like, I mean, they stacked him. They stacked him with like, basically, like was it like 90 years in prison plus another this and plus that. So like, he's not getting out. I don't think anytime soon, unless they have a parole hearing or like, they can. Yeah. But like, it, no, it, I don't think he will. I don't think he will. And one of the things they're saying is that, like, the jury was made up of, like, 10 women. And basically, the the guy who was speaking was saying that if they had, they would just, like, climb over and basically kill Jeff himself after, like, hearing all the testimonies and these women, which you get to hear as well. Like, Elisa, when she's talking about her rape and everything, it's so heart-wrenching and just terrifying. And it's it makes you just... it's just so horrendous and then the very next like scene or whatever is you have Warren Jeffs in prison and he's like talking to the women like his wives and just women of the church that are still so brainwashed and so obsessed with like hearing like hanging on to any word that he said that they literally have pen and paper writing down what he's saying as if like it's still, you know, revelation and he's a prophet of God and he's in fucking prison. And then he starts singing the creepiest oh, I, I song. I had to mute it. It was. So yeah, funny. was it? Because I hate his voice so much. It's like really soft and spooky. Like that's how he talks. And it's just so creepy and disgusting. And he's like singing this song and telling them, you know, that he's still, you know, basically that everything works out for a reason and. You know, and they're hanging on to every word of everything that yeah. he's saying while he's in prison. And the other one I thought that was like, you know, because they basically it says like 
Warren Jeffs never used the media until all this was happening. And then he started to use it to his advantage by having the women um, who, oh, I I skipped a big part. Sorry, Katie. (laughs) Totally could have jumped in where the government comes and actually takes the children, the underage children from the ranch because it's not, you know, seen as like suitable for children to be there and they recognize it's problematic. So the mothers of these children at the FLDS El Dorado branch start going to the media to say like, right, you know, we're, we're victims and all of this. They ripped our children from our homes. Like they had a really stable and healthy environment. There was nothing wrong about this at all. And so Warren Jeffs basically is just like, yeah, having them go to the media about everything and, yeah, they, and making it look like they're martyrs and they were persecuted and that nothing yeah. was happening to the children. And it was wild. Like even one of the, the kids that was taken away, she said on there, she didn't know what police was. She just saw these, the, the SWAT team outside of the ranch. And she thought that because they were in black, that they were devils. They did. That's how uneducated they were. And I was like, oh, these poor babies. And also it's like, there's also the, the kids from one of the wives who like, you know, they were detained away from their, they're not detained, but maybe they're taken away from their parents, their mothers for like a year. And when the mom finally was able to come to visit, she didn't know who she was. Cause she's, yeah. you know, obviously these children are raised by like multiple women and they call them all moms. So it's like, I don't know who you are. Like you're another one of my moms. Like, also, it's just, yeah, it's really sad. And they had this interview with Larry King. Yep, and, and they was straight like, up lied. Yeah, and that's what I put. Like, so the the FLDS women are lying about these underage brides because you know Larry King even says like, were there underage brides? Like, blah blah blah. And this one woman who was like super adamant and was like no not to my knowledge there were never any underage women or underage brides blah blah blah. and then you later find out that she was a fucking midwife to one of those underage girls yeah to a girl who was yeah yeah and uh, i mean it's not funny but i mean funny in like a sad way but that's not the only mormon who's lied to larry king remember Uh (laughs) uh-huh All the lies he told him. Yep. So Larry King is like, oh, what the fuck? These Mormons just lie to me. They just lie all the fucking time. And and also like their voices, you guys. And even one of the like um, women who left the cult, she mentions it because I wrote it down. Like they all have like these really creepy high voices when they talk. It's like, yeah happy and really really happy with everything that's in our lives I don't know and it's like they were trained that's part of their keep sweet right is to have this like creepy voice that they all put on and so Um, do people like especially women but all the like um authorities in the mainstream Mormon church when you listen to like general conference they all have a a similar like cadence with yes and especially the women too it's like very soft and then there's, yeah, it's, uh, it's creepy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. so fucking creepy. And then, so basically the last thing that I have on here, which is like, I think the darkest, most fucked up part of the whole, uh, documentary series. So, you know, trigger warning, this is very dark. So it may be skip ahead if, 
yeah, maybe you want to. But um, so they start talking about um, how they built, they started to build a, a temple, right? And right, I Texas. remember uh, Rebecca and Elisa, they like, they tell authorities that there's going to be a, a treasure trove of information yes. in this FLDS temple at the ranch. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where they'll find the records to put Jeff's away, basically, because it'll have like all the marriage records and, and pictures and photos and videos and recordings of him either performing marriages that to underage women, girls, actually underage girls. But then the creepiest one of it all is. Wait, 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 wait. Before you get, before you get. No, there. I was going to talk about the altar. Yeah, don't. I, okay. I have something else first. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> the, just the temple in general. It, it reminded me so much of like a Mormon temple, but just not as elaborate, right? Like. Yeah, definitely. Had definitely. The, um, the fonts and they had like. The room that had the paintings on the wall that looked like it was the Garden of Eden and like everything was bright white and I was like I mean this is like the poor man's version of a Mormon temple right 100% (laughs) what I thought I was like this is the poor man's version of the Mormon temple and it reminded me of that um (laughs) that house that you showed me (gasps) yeah it gave me the creeps yep the creeps yeah okay sorry I just wanted to say that before you got to the part that I know you're about to get to (laughs) yeah no I'm glad you pointed that out so yes the temple looked exactly like what Katie said it's just like a cheap version of a Mormon temple like yeah and and then they they have like the baptism of font they have all and then they have the the curtains which is like the veil right where they yeah they have that and then behind the veil they have this altar, which, you know, people are a bit like, huh, not strange. It's like has like a place where you can kneel first and then it's a bed. It's like an altar that has the mattress on top and a bed. And obviously, you know, when you see that, the first thing I thought of was what actually happened there, which is really disturbing. In fact, it's where basically warn Jeffs or perform these marriages to women, but also mostly underage women or girls. And that is where the ceremony would take place, where they even have recordings of these rapes that happen where he like tells the women and like his wives are in the background too, which is even more fucked. I think like these women are here and I get it, they're brainwashed, but they're watching Warren Jeffs rape these women and underage girls because he's performing this ceremony that's like, you know, they have to give themselves to him. And it's like, you know, representation of a man and a woman and a marriage and that she has to lay with him. And that's what that bed is for. And he even had a yeah. special mattress protector put on there. Oh, the, mat- the mattress protector part, like freaked me out so bad and he calls it he called them heavenly sessions and even used terms like by the keys and powers of the priesthood Mm -hmm. just so much of that religious mormon language as he was raping and as we come to find out they were like 12 year old girls oh and he has them you guys it's a recording like you don't Obviously, you don't hear the raping, but you hear him performing the ceremony and his wives agreeing in the background, like, yes, father, whatever they call him. I can't even remember. 
but it's just it made me sick it really physically made me sick and at that point that's where my notes stop and I don't even know if the episodes went on because I just like zoned out for the rest of the time because I was like this is too much and I cannot believe that that fucking happened and that people like, are so brainwashed that they still follow him like they still yeah. oh yeah I know I actually wrote in my notes I'm going to throw up like it yeah. was so gross and the amount of manipulation and control and abuse all in the name of being a prophet and uh it it was just so close to like what we believed growing up that I could see how you could easily fall into this and have this happen to you as a 12 year old 13 year old girl if you think that this man is really speaking for God and you're surrounded by other your your peers that are all your age and doing the same thing I just like oh my god my heart just hurt for them so much uh but yeah that's why like we said he had been given 10 years in Utah for he was convicted for the like assisting in a rape happening essentially but now in Texas they had this actual evidence there's like Sarah said recordings there's pictures there's all of the documentation of all of the marriages, quote unquote, that mm-hmm. he performed. And that's what they stacked and stacked and stacked and stacked. So he's never going to get out of prison. And I just wrote down the numbers because they were staggering. He had facilitated and conducted the marriage of 67 underage girls to other men. God. And he personally had 78 wives, 24 of which were underage girls. That's like, so disgusting. I just can't. Uh, yeah. But, he's um, just a horrible piece of shit. He's horrible. And he continues, like Sarah said, to run the FLDS church from prison with thousands of followers still. He's only 66 years old. He's not even that old, which is bizarre. And Ugh. he still, he'll give like sermons and he gets revelations in prison and writes these books and they, they, broadcast his words over the radio i like you said sarah i just can't i can't wrap my mind around how you can know that this man did something and you still think that he's a prophet but then again on the flip side of the coin we do get it because we believe he was a, a wonderful man we believe that he was a martyr and anything he said bad about him was just a lie so exactly yep we get yep. it um, and at the very end, it showed like how a lot of these people in the documentary were were living now, and it just felt so similar. I related to them so much. I understand that it's not as intense um, leaving the regular like mainstream Mormon church as the FLDS, but those feelings are like really similar. Those feelings of betrayal and anger and sadness and loss Mm -hmm. and confusion and you're just like continually healing and trying to move on and trying to still be in relationships with like people in your family that are still in the church or whatever so I really related to to how it ended it was oh my god so heavy but like so heavy yeah but like yeah exactly like you relate and even even the small little scene of one of the women who left, like, talking about her new tattoo with her family member. I was just thinking yeah. about, 
Yeah. That's really, it's obviously so horrendous and tragic what they went through. But like that little scene was a bit like, I can relate to that. Like you, you know, you want to, <laughs> you want to finally do whatever the fuck you want to do with your body and, and be excited I mean, about it. It's like what, what we do just by making this podcast, right? Yeah. By like talking about it and validating other's experiences is so healing and important and then yeah like you got your tattoo that said worthy and exactly means so much and you can share that with people who have also left and yeah that, that was a cool part of the documentary and I thought it was really well done it was just like I couldn't watch it all at once I had to take it in chunks because it was really oh my god me too it was really intense really really intense and it was triggering in some parts and I find you know, I watched the first two episodes with my in-laws and they, it, it was, it was obviously nice to watch it, but I think you need to watch it in your own space or like you're uh, with people who maybe get exactly what you're going through. Because some of the things I was just like, well, that's triggering and I need to talk about it, but I couldn't really, you know, like, or I yeah, couldn't yeah. fully explain why that was so triggering. And it was a bit like, I need to I need to just vent about how fucked up this is and like why it makes me feel the way it does but yeah and we just need to remember again like Sarah said from the beginning this is the true Mormonism so Mm -hmm. like this is actually what Joseph Smith created this vile man Joseph Smith is just as disgusting as Warren Jeffs, if not worse, because he created this. And yeah. that's the reason that all these people are suffering. So yeah. any Mormons, if you're still listening, that's my final word to you is that <laughs> Joseph Smith can suck a bag of dicks and not say. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. Well, listeners, thank you for being here with us and for getting through that. And we love you a lot. And we'll be back next week. We will love you guys and have a good week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.